While I, said Justin Bryce, am not so much worried as intrigued, not to say hopeful, Morris Seaton's disappeared. I'm afraid it may only be a publicity stunt for his next thriller, and that we shall see him among us again all too soon, but let us not look on the gloomy side. He did, indeed, look very far from gloomy, squatting on a stool before the fire like a malevolent turtle, twisting his long neck towards the blaze. His had been, in youth, a striking head, with its high cheekbones, wide mobile lips, and huge luminous grey eyes under the heavy lids. But he was fifty now, and becoming a caricature. Though they seemed even larger, his eyes were less bright, and watered perpetually, as if he were always fighting against a high wind. The receding hair had faded and coarsened to dull straw. The bones jutted through his skin, giving the appearance of a death's head. Only his hands were unchanged. He held them out now to the fire, soft-skinned, white, and delicate as those of a girl. He smiled at Dalgleish. Lost, believed safe, one middle-aged detective writer, nervous disposition, slight build, narrow nose, buck teeth, sparse hair, prominent Adam's apple, finder, please keep. So, we have come to you for advice, dear boy, fresh, as I understand it, from your latest triumph— Do we wait for Morris to make his reappearance and then pretend we didn't notice that he got lost? Or do we play it his way and ask the police to help us find him? After all, if it is a publicity stunt, it would only be kind to cooperate. Poor Morris needs all the help in that direction he can get. It's not a joking matter, Justin. Miss Calthrop was severe. And I don't for one moment think that it's a publicity stunt— If I did, I wouldn't come worrying Adam at a time when he particularly needs a peaceful, quiet holiday to recover from the strain of that case. So clever of you, Adam, to catch him before he did it again. The whole case makes me feel sick, physically sick. And now what will happen to him? Kept in prison for a few years at the state's expense, then let out to murder some other child? Are we all mad in this country? I can't think why we don't hang him mercifully and be done with it. Dalgleish was glad that his face was in shadow. He recalled again the moment of arrest. Pooley had been such a small man, small, ugly, and stinking with fear. His wife had left him a year before, and the inexpert patch which puckered the elbow of his cheap suit had obviously been his own work. Dalgleish had found his eyes held by that patch, as if it had the power to assert that Pooley was still a human being. Well... The beast was caged now, and the public and press were free to be loud in their praise of the police work in general, and of Superintendent Dalgleish in particular. A psychiatrist could explain, no doubt, why he felt himself contaminated with guilt. The feeling was not new to him, and he would deal with it in his own way. After all, he reflected wryly, it had seldom inconvenienced him for long, and never once had it made him want to change his job. But he was damned if he was going to discuss Pooley with Celia Calthrop. Across the room his aunt's eyes met his. She said quietly, "'What exactly do you want my nephew to do, Miss Calthrop? If Mr. Seaton has disappeared, isn't that a matter for the local police?' "'But is it? That's our problem.' Miss Calthrop drained her glass, as if the Amontillado had been cooking sherry, and automatically held it out to be refilled.